Hey, what's up, everybody? It's your favorite quarterback hater, Robert Mathis, and you're listening to the For the Culture Podcast. This is the For the Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Diamond, with my man, Jason Spears. Week three, and dare I say, a must-win game for the Indianapolis Colts. I know that sounds far-fetched. It sounds like a hot take to call a week three game a must-win game. But when you look at the standings, the Colts are sitting at 0-2. The Titans, after their big comeback last week against the Seahawks, are 1-1. If they were to beat us in this game, we would fall to 0-3, they would improve to 2-1, and and they would have the head-to-head tiebreaker over us. So remember when Chuck Pagano used to say that division games counted twice? Well, this game feels like it counts two and a half times, because if we're 0-3 and they're 2-1 and and they have the tiebreaker over us, they'll essentially be two and a half games up. If we were to win this game, the hole we've dug ourselves into over the first two weeks will be erased, and our two losses will be against NFC teams. They'll have one loss to an NFC team and the head-to-head loss against us. So we could essentially be two games back, and we lose the tiebreaker, or we could be tied, and we win the tiebreaker. That's a two-and-a-half game swing in one game. So I'm calling this a must-win game. I think this is the biggest game of the year already in week three. I don't really care what happens after this. The season starts on Sunday, and it could end on Sunday if we don't go to Tennessee and beat the Tennessee Titans. And thank God there was positive news coming out of Colts practice today. Paris Campbell practiced. He should be back on the field on Sunday. And Xavier Rhodes practiced. He should be back on the field on Sunday making his 2021 debut. So we're getting positive news there. And then the most important position on the field, huge news, Carson Wentz did practice today. So Carson Wentz was back at practice on Friday. It did not look good early in the week. It wasn't just one sprained ankle. It was two sprained ankles. We had a double sprained ankle because, God forbid, the Colts had a normal injury. It always has to be a double injury. So it was a two-for-one, both ankles which means you can't favor one because they're both sprained. But he was back at practice today. And as far as the narrative goes that Wentz is soft, well, I don't want to hear it because he has foot surgery. He has a 5 to 12-week timetable in August. He's back week one. Then week two, he sprains both his ankles, getting tackled by Aaron Donald. And he's back at practice on Friday. There's a good chance he plays in the game on Sunday. And that's obviously huge for the Colts' chances Because even if Wentz is at 60%, I'll take him over Eason or Hundley. So big news, injury news today for the Colts. And finally trending in a positive direction because I feel like the injury news is always negative. Campbell practiced, Rhodes practiced, and to a lot of people's surprise, Carson Wentz was back at practice today, which is obviously huge, huge, huge. You can't understate the importance, obviously, of Carson or that position So he should be back on the field, and that gives us a good chance because, Jason, this is as big of a Week 3 matchup as you'll see with the 2021 implications that this game holds in the standings. Yeah, there's no sugarcoating it. This is a huge game, and and it always is. I mean, Tennessee, and in divisional games, like you said, and Chuck always said, it's the one thing Chuck said I agree with. It basically is like two games. And so it's a hu- it's huge. Just like you said, it flips the record. You know, it could flip us and put us in a horrible hole if we lose this game, and then we're chasing Tennessee the rest of the year, kind of like last year. Although last year, you know, we we still were, you know, able to get in as a wild card. This year, I don't think that's going to be an option for us. Now, who knows? Things have to play out the way they'll play out. But falling behind and an zero and three start is not 
what you want. And this is a game we got to find a way to win. And the one thing I told Luke off air that I feel kind of good about is the one team on and the one place that Reich has really coached his best games has been at Tennessee. It's like the inverse of Jacksonville. He's been horrible in Jacksonville. He's 0 and 3. He's been great in Tennessee. He's 3 and 0, and he's done it with three different quarterbacks. Andrew Luck at the end of the year, then he won, you know, he won in Nashville with Jacoby Brissett, which is insane. And then last year, you know, with with Philip Rivers, you know, we played really well. That was probably one of our better played games. I uh, ended up kind of pulling away at the end and winning by I think 17. So that is one positive. For some reason, he seems to coach very well against them on the road. And so the Colts just have to find a way to win. I don't care how they do it. I don't care if the defense has to score three touchdowns or whatever, block a punt. I really don't care how they do it. They've just got to find a way to win this game. Like Luke said, that you can't under, under you can't understate how important this game is. It's very important. If they, it can flip the it could flip our season. So the Colts just have to go out there and play their game. You know, and do the things they haven't done so much in the first two games, like score in the red zone. Yep, and that's where we're going to start this off with the Colts offense going up against a Tennessee Titans defense that has not been good this season. And we knew coming into the year they wouldn't be good, and they haven't been up until. So I don't know what that's called, living up to the lack of hype. But they are 29th of 32, so they are towards the bottom of the league in points allowed. They're allowing 34 points per game. They got better at the end of the Seahawks game, and the Seahawks just completely, completely choked that game away after beating us week one and having a massive lead in week two. They couldn't hold on at home, and they blew that game. But this Titans defense, they made a couple of moves this offseason. They brought in Bud Dupree from the Steelers, and they brought in our guy, Danico Autry. We wanted him. We made an offer late. The Titans made a better offer. He went to Tennessee, and he's gotten off to a pretty solid start this year on a bad defense, one and a half sacks, which leads their team, and I think it would lead our team too because I don't think we have anybody with two sacks on our defense. Alquadine might have one and a half, but I don't think we have anybody with two plus, and Danico also has three quarterback hits. So a lackluster Tennessee Titans defense. It has not been their strong suit over the last couple years. And they're coming into this game allowing 34 points per game. So if there was ever a week that you needed to get on track, you needed to score red zone points, you needed to find a way to put points on the board, you would think it would come against the 29th ranked defense in the National Football League. No question. They've had a really hard time stopping anybody to start the season. They do have some really good players like most teams on defense. Uh, Jeffrey Simmons is a problem at defensive tackle. He's played really well to start the year. He's got a, I think a couple sacks or a sack and a half or something like that. But he's played really well. Dupree's kind of been a disappointment so far, but it's only been two games, and I think he's questionable to play this week, so I don't even know if he's going to play. He's got a knee injury. And then, you know, Kevin Byard, who's one of the better free safeties in the league, he's a solid player. They do have some good players, but, again, they've struggled. When you give up 34 points – a game to start the season that's not good 29th out of 32 like we said um the colts are gonna have to get it done this week again every week we talk about this it's gonna come down to the red zone and i think this is gonna be a similar week i don't think the colts will have that much trouble moving the ball but it kind of doesn't matter unless you get in the end zone because kicking field goals for the most part is not going to win you a lot of games in this league so to me I don't think the Colts are going to have a difficult time moving the ball against this defense. Uh, but at the same time, 
you kind of have to look at who they've the Tennessee's played to be fair to their defense. Arizona is a very high powered offense. Seattle, like we saw, is a very high powered offense. So uh, I think there's something to be said for their opponents, obviously. But also, they just have not played well through two games. So the Colts have to take advantage of that. They have to uh, really attack the weaknesses of this defense, and there's a couple of them. So this team on defense is definitely you, – you can definitely take advantage of them. You can run the ball. They're, they're not great in the secondary. They couldn't stop Tyler Lockett last week. So the Colts definitely have a pathway to win this game. They, they should be able to move the ball. And the key, again, like we've said, Luke, is, is red zone, and that's what the game's going to come down to. Absolutely, because through the first two weeks, it hasn't been moving the ball that's been the problem. It's been scoring touchdowns or really just coming away with points, period, on our lengthy drives. You think about last week, we had four trips to the red zone. We averaged 2.5 points per red zone possession. That's less than a field goal per trip to the red zone. That can't happen. So you look at this Titans defense, we should be able to move the ball. We've moved the ball all two weeks leading into week three, but... They're allowing 34 points per game. We haven't sniffed 30 points per game. Even last week, we score, what, 24 points? But seven of them came off special teams. So this offense has really struggled to put points on the board. And Jason, the elephant in the room is the quarterback situation going into this game. Carson Wentz practiced today. He's questionable. If we were to have done this podcast a day or two early, if we did a Wednesday or Thursday game preview, the uncertainty at the quarterback position a couple days ago, a lot more worrisome than it is today. But just something I want to get into before we get into the keys to the game. What were the Colts doing this week? Were they sending mixed signals to the Titans? Were they trying to confuse the Titans? Did they know all along that there was a chance that Carson would be able to practice on Friday and play on Sunday? Because... You think back to the preseason, week one of the preseason, Eason gets the first half, Ellinger gets the second half, week two, Ellinger gets the first half, Eason gets the second half. We don't see Brett Hundley until the end of the third preseason game. So they had no intention of Hundley making the roster or playing. Of course, Ellinger goes down with an injury in week three of the preseason, so that's not according to plan, but you put a lot of faith, you gave a lot of opportunity to Jacob Eason, and then all of a sudden this week... Hunley's getting a majority of the practice snaps and there's reports from Reich saying that he's going to split time between the two quarterbacks on Sunday if Wentz isn't able to go. That was super head-scratching, super confusing to me. After watching the way they conducted the quarterback position, the backup battle in camp versus how they're handling it this week in practice when the backup actually might need to play on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, Luke, it's this medical staff and the way this team handles injuries is probably the worst in the NFL. I don't know what they're doing. I've been told that the coaches are not satisfied with Eason's progression. They don't think he's ready to play. And, and so you know that. I mean, you, you see that in tra training camp. So your point's well taken. I, I don't know what they're doing. But if Eason isn't the guy, then why are you giving him reps at all? So I, I don't, I don't really know what's going on. It's kind of been a circus from the beginning and I'm not really sure they're on the same page, meaning like Ballard and Reich. And, and that's a whole nother conversation for a whole nother day. But as far as this goes, I don't think it was the Colts really trying to screw with Tennessee or anything like that. I, I just, he's got two sprained ankles. He was, 
not even walking around the, the facility on Monday or Tuesday. He was on a scooter uh, with a boot on his, I think, the, the one that was a high ankle sprain. So, no, I, I just think, you know, they got him out there, and I, I still don't think it's a guarantee that he's going to play. But, you know, I, this team with injuries, who knows, dude? I, I, your, your guess is as good as mine. I, the, some of the stories that I've heard that I can't really share about, you know, the medical staff and, whew, uh, yeah. So, um you know, at the, at the end of the day, I don't have a lot of faith in our medical staff, and I don't have a lot of faith that our guy, that our coaches even really know what's going on, honestly. I, who knows, man? It's very, it's very confusing. Yeah, but Jason, beyond that, as- forget about the injury side of things, just the football <laughs> side of things. If you're right in this coaching staff, why are you giving Eason all the opportunity in camp and then all of a sudden nope. you get to it. Like the whole point of a backup is to play when the quarterback, the starter goes down. Right. So in the right. preseason, you're giving Eason all the snaps. Hundley's not playing at all. And it's not like we already had Wentz. Like think about it, Jason, there was a chance going into week one that Carson Wentz wouldn't be able to play. So right. that means they went all summer giving Eason those snaps with Hundley on the roster, on the 90-man roster, whatever it was during camp, and they're giving Eason and Ellinger all the snaps, specifically Eason because Ellinger's not in the picture right now. So you gave this guy all that opportunity, not knowing if Wentz would be able to play week one, and now here we are the week of a game where Wentz is going to be a game-time decision on Sunday, and you're giving Eason backup snaps to Hunley in practice? Like, isn't that in, like just completely batshit crazy? Yeah. I mean, if Eason's your guy, is your guy, and you give him the reps. I, I, I mean, the only thing I can think of, Luke, and I, this is just me spitballing because I have no friggin' idea, maybe Hunley struggled picking up the playbook early on and they didn't want to put him in the game until he knew the playbook. And then he fought. Now, they've, now he's got a grasp of it. He's And they've liked what they've seen out of them. And so they split the snap. I, dude, I, you, I, I have yeah. no idea. Well, I think the I most mean, likely thing would be between Eason or Ellinger, it would have been one or the other. And because Ellinger fell out of the picture, the next man up was competition for Eason and he's outplayed him and grasped a better understanding of the playbook up until this point, maybe something like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, that's fair. Also, Hundley's a lot more athletic than than Eason, so I and think he's they're won looking three at that. Games. In Green Bay, he won three games as a starter in the National Football League, so he does have a couple of wins. Not great. I think he was three and six or three and seven. Had more picks than touchdowns, but at least he's proven that he could win a game or two in the National Football League. And if it were a one week thing with the importance of this week three game, you might want to put a guy out there who has a little bit of NFL experience. But still, it's like it's still bizarre to me because then in the preseason, wouldn't you just give him a better opportunity then because this could have happened down the line? And it's not again, it's not like Carson was 100% in August. He was already banged up. He just had foot surgery. So it's like they were setting themselves up for the inevitable and they knew it at the time and they completely unprepared themselves for this moment. So I don't know. I just think it's strange. But... Getting in to the keys to the game offensively. Hopefully Wentz plays. He's questionable. It's looking like he's going to play because he practiced today, so I would assume he's going to play. I know two bum ankles is concerning, but it's not two bum ankles. We haven't seen him. It's two bum ankles. He's on the practice field. He's throwing. He's dropping back. So it does look like he's going to play. Right now, I would 
lean towards him playing on Sunday despite being questionable and just the importance of this game. You're really going to want him out there. So the keys to the game for the Colts offense, key number one, run the ball with efficiency. We haven't run the ball great the first two weeks. You have a defense here who you could run on, you could throw on. We should be able to move the ball in multiple ways against this Titans defense. Run the ball, establish the run. Despite the quarterback situation with a backup, you definitely want to control the ball. Even with Carson Wentz, you still want to control the ball. You don't want him to do too much if he's on two bad ankles. You don't want him to do too much. Key number one, very important, especially if they're wearing our defense down on the other side of the ball with Derrick Henry. You want to balance that out and run the football with Jonathan Taylor, Naheem Hines, get Hines some more touches, Marla Mack. Key number one, run the ball with efficiency. Yeah, and what I mean by efficiency is more than four yards a carry. We've really struggled to do that the first couple games, and we need to do that this week. It keep, you know it keeps you in, in manageable distances, uh, and, and with with the way our quarterback system or our situation is this week, the Colts have, absolutely have to be able to run the ball, take the pressure off whoever the quarterback is. It doesn't matter Wentz, Tunley, Eason. It doesn't matter. They've got to be able to run the ball. Jonathan Taylor is the guy, and I think, you know, you might see a little bit more, you should see a little bit more of Hines in the game, hopefully for a change of pace. I really didn't like the way they kind of just excluded him from the game plan last week. You know, I didn't think that was a very smart decision by Reich, but definitely this week, you know, key to the game, establishing the run, being able to, to pick up yards, hard yards, and also being able to run for more than, than four a carry, I think is a big, is it's the big kind of number that you look at. So, yeah, that for me, that's that's the biggest key, especially with the situation at quarterback. Got to be able to run the ball efficiently. Yep. Key number two, score touchdowns in the red zone and two goal situations. Last week, our first two possessions with goal to go, we put up zero points. Inexcusable. The turnover on downs at the one-yard line, the interception shovel pass at the two- or three-yard line, that can't happen, and we have been awful underwrite the last few years, the last two years specifically in goal to go situations and just in the red zone period, when you look at the numbers right now, we are 28th in the National Football League in the red zone. We have scored 33.7% of the time, touchdowns only, 33.7% of the time. We're probably even worse when you include field goals because we've left empty handed so many times. Last year, we were 21st. If you go back to Jacoby, we were 7th. And in 2018 with Andrew Luck, we were fifth. So five to seven is not really a drop-off because the lack, you know, the drop-off in quarterback was so great. It was actually almost an improvement to go from five to seven because you lost so much at the quarterback position to still be seventh in the league is actually kind of impressive. In two games, you also had with Brian Hoyer. Then last year, 21st. This year, 28th inexcusable key number two score touchdowns in the red zone and goal to go situations no question luke and anybody that's watched the colts knows how big this is this is the game this cost them the game last week if they can't score when they get inside the five yard line they're not going to win i mean it's that simple uh i want to see Wright get outside of this phone booth garbage that he's been doing for two years and spread the field Spread the field when you get inside the 10-yard line, then run the ball. Then do the things you want to do. Then, then there's not 11 guys within four yards, you know, from, from tackle to tackle. So 
That's what I want to see. He has not done that. It's been the same garbage every – it's not even just in goal situations. It's every short yardage situation. So he needs to get out of that, like, phone booth thing that I think he took from the Dungy era. It's not 2006 anymore. It's 2020. Let's spread the field. Let's get in the end zone. Let's stop trying to, you know, run dive plays into 11 guys who know you're going to run the ball. Let's Let's just – spread the field and get in the friggin' end zone. That is a huge key to this game. It might be the biggest key to this game because if you don't score when you get down there like that, you're not beating anybody. I don't care if it's who the, whoever the worst team is. You're just not – you can't win in this league not scoring touchdowns. So it's built for offense. you got to get in the end zone. Key number two is definitely, you know, very important. And, and goal situations, you've got to find a way to get in the end, end zone and get seven points definitely a huge key to this game as it's been to our first two really you could look at really the seattle and la ram game and say that's the biggest reason we lost the game we could not get points in the red zone or in you know in the green zone so uh definitely a huge key to this game i can't emphasize it enough uh and they've got to find a way they have got to find a way Yep. I mean, that really has been the number one reason, the constant through two games. And you're going up against a team that's allowing 34 points per game. You don't give up 34 points per game and make stops in the red zone and make stops in goal-to-go situations, which means when we get down there, we have to cash in. We have to put points on the board. It's a huge key. Key number two is really key number one in terms of being the most important key this game on either side of the ball, in my opinion. Key number three, no turnovers. This is always a key. You don't want to turn the ball over. Did we have a turnover week one, Jason? I can't remember now. I'm trying to think. Yeah, I think we fumbled, didn't we? Did we? Because last did week I know fumble? we turned it over. Well, last week I know we did. I can't remember if we did week one because if you go back to last year, I think we were like 8-0 and when we didn't turn over the ball. This year, I'm trying to think. I can't remember if we turned the ball over week I thought one. Wentz, didn't Wentz fumble a snap from Kelly in week one? Yes. Yes, he did. So we've had – That was also in the red zone, by the way. <laughs> of course it was. And the shovel pass, where was that? At the three-yard line that got intercepted. So turnovers in the red zone. No turnovers in the red zone. No turnovers, period. Don't turn over the football. It's a big key because last year I think we were 3-5 and five when we turned the ball over. And then we were yep. like 8-0 and when we didn't. And this year we're 0-2 when we turned the ball over. So no turnovers. Key number three. Yeah, I mean it's simple and all that. We, I mean it's usually in our in our keys, but I, I think it's especially important this week if we have to play someone other than Carson Wentz. I think just taking care of the ball will keep us in this game. You can't force the ball. You can't. I mean those. You know, he Reich. If somebody else has to play besides Wentz, Reich has to put them in a position to succeed. One thing that I didn't mention on the post game last week was I hated the way Reich. You know, Easton goes in the game, and instead of giving him some easy confidence-building throws, his first throw is a boundary throw outside the numbers against Jalen Ramsey that almost gets intercepted, and his second throw is a deep shot down the sideline, also, you know, actually intercepted by Jalen Ramsey. So though I thought with 2.37 to go in the game and one timeout being the two-minute warning, I thought that was awful by Reich putting J- uh, Jacob Easton in that situation and not giving him more of a, a, an opportunity to kind of work the ball slowly down the field. So in, in, so that led to a turnover. In this game, it's the same deal, Luke. We cannot expect these quarterbacks to do things they're not capable of doing. So by that, I mean, you know, throw the checkdowns, throw quick passing rhythm throws, 
you know, don't try to force too much and just, you know, take what's there and just keep the ball, possess the ball. That's the biggest thing. If these young guys have to play or if Hundley has to play, just possess the ball, live to fight another down. Don't turn it over. The quickest way to find yourself falling behind or blown out in a game is turning the ball over. And that's especially with young quarterbacks. They try to do too much. I think it's on Reich to really coach up these guys, these backups, whether that's Eason or Hundley, to live to fight for another down, whether that's throwing it away or whatever. Take care of the ball. Wentz has done a pretty solid job for the most part, aside from a great you know, Aaron Donald play last week and in the fumble in the first week. He's done a pretty decent job with that. So that's obviously a key in every game, but I think it's especially big in this game considering how big this game is. Yep, and let's flip over now to the Tennessee Titans offense. They're 16th out of 32 in the first two weeks of the season in points per game, averaging 23 points per game. And that number will go up in my opinion, as the year goes on, because they just have too much talent on this offense to be middle of the pack, 16th in the league. Tannehill obviously has been so much better since his days in Miami with Adam Gaze, since arriving a couple years back in Tennessee and taking that job and winning it over Marcus Mariota in the middle of the year. And then they went on that crazy run a couple years ago. They made the playoffs, they made a run last year, won the division, made another little run in the playoffs. And they just have a lot of talent. You look at the receivers, they bring in Julio Jones this offseason. So they have Jones, they have A.J. Brown. The fact that one of those two guys is the number two receiver is scary. And the fact that neither guy is the number one threat is even scarier because this offense is led by running back. Derrick Henry, he's the best running back in the league. He's the best since, I would say, prime Adrian Peterson. He is so good, and unlike most guys at that position that have a great year or two, and they fizzle out like Todd Gurley and a bunch of guys at that position over the last few years because it's such a grueling position, he hasn't up until this point. And you look at what he's doing already through two games this year, averaging 4.6 yards per carry, three touchdowns in two weeks, and that's just Derrick Henry. He is a monster. He's tough to stop. Our run defense has not been good through the first two weeks of the season, and we haven't seen a running back in the same stratosphere as Derrick Henry. So it's going to be a tough test. Lucky us and Houston and Jacksonville for getting this guy twice a year. Here's our first matchup with them as we take on this Titans offense led by running back Derrick Henry. This guy's a monster. You put it well, Luke. I mean, the thing about Derrick, I have so much respect for the way the guy plays the game. He's, a, he's huge. He's fast. He can do everything. The one thing that drives me crazy about him, and it's it's a rare quality to have, you can hold him to, you know, like I think Seattle held him basically to like two or two and a half yards of carry in the first half last last week and then one play 70 yards game changes and he's you know he's over 100 yards I mean he's the way this guy pounds on you and can just take one and go 80 yards it's 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 unlike almost anything I've ever seen the speed of the guy for somebody that big and he never gets caught from behind He's unbelievable. I don't think it's even close. He's the best running back in the NFL. It's not even close to me. There are a lot of, you know, really well-rounded guys like Christian McCaffrey, but a pure running back that you have to prepare for and find a way to stop and damn near is impossible to stop, that's Derrick Henry. And uh, we're going to see him this week. We have got to find a way to keep him out of the end zone. He's going to get yards. He's just too good. You know, so if people are expecting our defense to come out, and hold him to 30 yards, it's not going to happen. He's too good. That line is too good. He, he plays off of that line so well. So, yeah, man, I mean, listen, 
the Titans are no joke offensively. You know, you mentioned we, we talk about Derrick Henry, but, you know, the two receivers, the offensive line, Tannehill and his play action game has really come into his own in Tennessee. So it's going to be a tough matchup. It is good that we got Zave back this week because, you know, you got Julio on one side, you got A.J. on the other side. A.J. Brown coming off probably his worst game as a pro, he said. I watched some of his interviews after the Seattle game. He's very disappointed in how he played. So he's going to be fired up to get back and get on the field and make some plays. So the Colts are really going to have to come prepared to play. They can't have any communication breakdowns. They got to play their best game this week, you know, to date. And, again, it's a high-powered offense. We see them every week. We've seen three of the best offenses. And, I, and like Luke said, they're they're whatever they're ranked right now. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter. They're a, they're a top, you know, eight to ten offense, and they've got players everywhere. So we got to find a way to stop them, hold them out of the end zone, make them kick field goals. You know, the same stuff we talk about every week. This is a tough team, tough game, but we know them. They know us. It's just going to be who executes better. Yep, and getting into our keys to the game for the Colts, defense, key number one, slowing down Derrick Henry, gang tackle, force him to one side of the field, slow his feet down, get him to the ground, wrap him up. He is a tough matchup, so you're going to have to be able to contain him. You're not going to stop him. You're not going to completely shut him down, but don't do what Seattle did last week. Don't have a great game and then give up the 70-yard run. So, you want to limit him to the best of your ability. You're not going to shut him down. You're not going to hold him to one and a half, two yards per carry. Don't give up the big run and contain him to the best of your ability. We've done it in the past, but we've had better run defenses. Through the first two weeks, our run defense has been suspect at best. We have to do a better job this week slowing down the run game. And it's going to be a much more difficult task going up against Derrick Henry. Yeah, I mean, there's no there, there's no stopping this guy. So, the, I mean, that's the that's the thing. It's crazy how good he is, uh, how much he can like flip a game with one run. Uh, but the way you do slow him is you got to gang tackle. You got to get seven, eight guys to the ball, take away the downhill stuff, try to force him side to side, like you talked about. When he gets downhill, it's a wrap. He'll run over everybody. It, you, you, it's so difficult to stop him once he gets going between the tackles and gets gets downhill with that with that pad level it's almost impossible to stop him so you got to get him try, try to force him side to side and then bring seven eight hats to the ball slow his feet down in the hole like you know if he goes to cut try to make him slow his feet down those are just the things that that you know they talk about every team talks about doing it's much much easier for me to sit here and talk about it than that it is to actually do it um, really when it comes to Derrick Henry, my biggest thing is just keeping him out of the end zone. No long explosive runs. Those are the most important things with him because once you get going on that snowball, going, once that snowball starts going downhill and he starts breaking long runs, you're looking at a 200-yard game. I mean, last year in the second game when we had all the, the COVID stuff, he tore us apart. And that's, you know, that's what happens. If you do, if you, if they will. The one thing about the Titans, they will absolutely attack your weaknesses with him, and they will tear you apart. And they did that in the second game last year. We were a little bit better in the well, a lot better in the first game, and we've been okay against him. Not great, but who is? I mean, he's he's so damn good. But for me, you know, it's just limiting the explosives and keeping him out of the end zone. I mean, maybe one touchdown, but I think he had four in the second game. If he, you give up four, it's a right. You're not, you're not winning. So, you know, just try to limit him the best you can. 
and make other people beat you because you just don't want you, you know Derrick Henry's damn he's he's damn good he's probably gonna be in the Hall of Fame one of the best running backs I've seen in a long time you know how good he is you don't want him to beat you, you want to make somebody else beat you key number two no big plays no plays of 20 plus yards especially in the passing game you have two lethal threats we're talking a lot about Derrick Henry but you also have Julio Jones you have AJ Brown those guys are tough we have struggled in the past with AJ Brown without Julio Jones adjacent to him so it's going to be difficult to stop those guys and the chunk plays downfield and then of course as well you have Henry pounding the rock so you don't want to give up what Seattle gave up last week to Henry with the big 70-yard run. You don't want the chunk plays downfield. I remember last year, A.J. Brown caught a slant and took it to the house against us. It was probably like 65, 70 yards. Limit the big plays. Minimize the big plays. Try to eliminate as many 20-plus yard plays as possible because that's been a thorn in our side. And the amount of, I mean, there's been a lot of problems offensively in the red zone, goal to go, defensively, the breakdowns, the lack of communication deep downfield. And we've played good receivers each week up until this week and good duos. Like it hasn't been one great receiver and scrubs. Like week one, you have Metcalf and you have Lockett. Week two, you have Cup and you have Woods. And now week three, we have Brown and we have Jones. So it's another good tandem of receivers for the third week in a row. And you really want to minimize the big plays downfield. Yeah, and I think Xavier Rhodes should help here. Uh, obviously, then you, you get Rock to cover the number two guy and, and Kenny in the slot. It, it, I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to help to have him back. Our biggest thing is we've been giving up in the first two games. The, the amount of passing chunk plays that we've given up is just unacceptable. Whether that's a breakdown of communication, just getting beat, whatever the case, it doesn't matter. They've happened. They've got to limit that. It's you know it, I don't necessarily mind the twenty yard passes so much if they if we can keep them out of the end zone but in the first game I mean Lockett had two long touchdowns um, you know Cup had a field day last week uh, we we've got to make sure we don't give up like a you know seventy yard touchdown pass we we just can't do it um, when our defense is working at its best it's making teams go the long route and not you know two play drives three play drives we've had some of those you can't have that you're gonna you got to make this team earn it they've already got enough good players you can't have communication breakdowns in the back end uh you can't miss tackles you can't you know completely have a coverage bust you've got to be on it and and they you know they've had two games they they've had two games to really get into the swing of it there's no excuses they got to get it done this week they can't have the miscommunications they can't have the breakdowns and, you know, they got to limit the big plays. That's That's been the biggest issue with our defense is the explosive plays we've given up to both the teams we've played. We can't have it this week. We just can't do it. We can't win with it. We got to slow down Henry. He's going to make plays. You know that. And I'm sure, you know, Brown and, and Julio are going to have their catches. But you got to get to the ball, you know, rally to the ball, hit those guys, get them on the ground, do not allow run after catch, you know, and try to, to, to stick them, you know, plaster them as much as you can and uh and not allow big plays i think that's a huge key to this game because in the first two games i really think that's what's put us in a, in a really big hole is allowing big chunk plays whether it's in the run game or the passing game so the colts just have to play a full all-around competitive consistent 60-minute game if they want to win this week and key number three, hold them to field goals. Make them kick field goals against you. Touchdowns beat you in this league. Field goals usually don't. They could. And the way our offense has been playing, it's possible that they do. 
But if you hold them to field goals, you definitely increase your probability of winning the game. Key number three, hold them to field goals. Yeah, you look at week one, we gave up four touchdowns, and we were pretty much out of that game late. And then you look at last week, we we forced them to kick two field goals, and we had the ball at the end of the game with a chance to win. So, you know, it goes without saying that if you can limit the touchdowns and maybe – you know, make a team kick a couple of field goals, you're going to have a little bit better chance to win. And over the, the, you know, the span of 60 minutes, I think it makes a big difference, obviously, in point total. So definitely making sure that we try to limit the the red zone opportunities. But once teams get in the red zone, holding them to field goals is definitely key. It always is. We have really not done that this year. I think the Rams had three touchdowns and two field goals, which isn't too bad. But then the first game, four touchdowns, that was not good. So, uh, yeah, holding them the field goals, us when they're in the red zone and us scoring touchdowns, that that that's a that can that can flip the game. That and that one thing can flip the game. So, uh, definitely try to force some field goals this week, like we did last week, and we should we should be in the game. I mean, really, at this point, I just want to have a chance to win at the end of this game, mm-hmm. and I, I I think the best way to do that is to try to you know uh, eliminate the long plays and make them kick field goals and you know, kind of shorten the game. And I think that's the path to victory this week. So that's definitely a key for the Colts, and hopefully they'll be able to do that. And now for our predictions, Jason, I will let you go first. Oh, man. Well, we all know who I'm picking. Of course. Um, I am taking the Titans. It's just such a tough matchup playing a team with a quarterback, even if if he plays or doesn't play. Either way, it's a tough matchup in the sense that if he plays, he's probably 75% maybe. Uh, if he doesn't play, you got Eason and Hunley out there. Um, I do think it's going to be a competitive game. Um, I think the Colts will be in the game. I think their defense is going to be okay and be and be solid in this game. I think the line's going to play better. I think Taylor's going to have a, his best game of the year. Um, but in the end, I just think there's just too much talent on that offense. Uh, for the Colts uh, or for the Titans, and I think they're going to find a way to to score more than us. Uh, I'll take the Titans by seven. I was ready all week to take the Titans in this game, but I am going to go with the Colts because of the news today with Wentz practicing. Wentz practicing, his status now upgraded to questionable. I feel like he's going to play. You have Frank Reich, who's 3-0 in his career, in his tenure as Colts head coach in Tennessee. So we have a good history there. Reich's able to win there. He's able to coach there. He's able to get this team to travel there. So I think between those two things and just this locker room, this team, this organization, knowing how big, how crucial, how important this week three matchup is, I feel like we're going to go there and we're going to find a way to win this game. And I hope we do because I really don't want to see the season essentially end in week three with us so far behind the eight ball that we're talking about the draft more so than our week five, six, seven, eight matchups. So Huge game for the Colts. I just feel like knowing the magnitude of this game, they're going to come out and they're going to be able to find a way to win. And if they don't, then I think seats are going to heat up in Indianapolis because this game is so big. If you don't win it, especially if you don't compete in it, there's going to be some guys that aren't too comfortable heading into week four in the rest of the season. So I'm going to go with a Colt win. I say we squeak it out. I'll go 24-23 Colts. Well, I hope you're right. I, Me too. I definitely want to be wrong. Listen, you made a great point. I think they all know how important this game is. I think they're gonna, you're gonna see their best effort of the year, for sure. I think the defense is gonna play better. 
I'm just concerned about our offense. It's just it's the red zone is my biggest issue with this team and the Reich's play calling in the red zone. That's my biggest concern. I think the defense is going to be able to keep us in this game. The offense has just got to do its part, man. It's got to step up and have a big week. Yeah, I really just think it boils down to scoring touchdowns and just putting up points and stop leaving so many points on the field. You don't want to settle for field goals, but we're almost at a point and we've been so bad on fourth down where you want to start to think about taking points. Not that I want him to coach like a you-know-what or punt inside the 40-yard line or do any of that, but you're starting to enter this territory where you're killing your own momentum and you're just not playing to the flow of the game. And I feel like the guys are discouraged. The defense makes a great stop. The offense has the ball for seven minutes. The defense gets back on the field and the score is still the same. And I think that's frustrating after a while. It reminds me a little bit of the Bucks game in 2019 where the defense actually played really well for a majority of the game. I think Leonard had a pick six. We were creating turnovers. Jameis threw like four interceptions in that game. But every time the defense gave the ball back to the offense, the offense would just turn it right back over or they would give up a pick six the other way. And then it just it was really discouraging for the defense because they would make a great play and they wouldn't even get to rest. They would be right back out on the field or in this case, the last few weeks, they're sitting for five or six minutes, but they're coming back and not seeing a reward on the scoreboard for their hard work. So they'll make a stop. Like, I don't want to excuse them for the first half of that Seahawks game. It was awful. But in the second half, they make stops. They get a bunch of three and outs. Leonard gets the fumble. And they come back out on the field, and the offense turns it into zero points, about three or four possessions in a row. So, eventually, you have to put up points to play to the momentum of the game. Now, with our first road game, you want to keep the crowd out of the game. And you do that by sometimes silencing them with a field goal. So, I don't want to coach soft I don't want to coach not to lose but eventually you have to do a little bit of that because if you're constantly coaching to win and you're only losing there has to be some type of balance I don't want to go in the other direction but I want to go in a direction that leads us to victory and we're sitting at 0-2 and 0-3 with a 2-1 Titans team that holds a tiebreaker over us the season might be over not even a month into the season so you got to do something different and you have to find a way to win this game because if you don't the rest of the season does not look promising because it's going to be a crazy uphill battle I 100% agree with you Uh, it's definitely a huge game they've got to get points I mean at some point unless you it's it's insanity you're just calling the same place and and I've beat that horse to death that I'm you know it's beating a dead horse with Reich in the red zone play calling so I'm not going to go into it for the 90th time but He's got to figure it out. He's got to. You can't just keep doing the same thing over again. You might as well just kick field goal. I mean, because you're not going to get it. You know, team. And this team knows you better than anybody. So you need to come out with something different this week, aside from the you know heavy package with, a, you know, a linebacker and a fullback. I mean, just seriously, they they've got to do something different offensively to get a different result. I mean, that's how it works. You can't. Teams watch film. They know what you're going to do. They look at the, you know, the sets, and they know what you're going to run. You need to switch it up, some, you know, some, and you know, throw something at them they haven't seen on film. And I just, Rake is so stubborn. I hope this week he gets out of that box. You know, if any, he's going to do it any week. I think he'll do it this week because for some reason, he coaches like 
so much better in Tennessee. I don't know what it is, but he does a good job there. So hopefully this week we'll see some different play calls, maybe a fade to a 6'5 receiver, maybe. You know, who knows? But definitely got to find a way to get points and not – I mean, zero points, you're, you're not going to – I mean, literally like zero points and two and goal – situations i mean that you're just not going to win so got to find a way to get points get touchdowns and if they do that they're going to have a chance to win this game that's really all you can ask yep and that pretty much wraps it up the importance of this game cannot be understated if we sound like we're over exaggerating i promise you we're not look at the standings mathematically this game is so big you can't you can't underestimate the magnitude of this game you just can't do it so That's my man, Jason Spears. I'm your host, Luke Diamond. Huge game in Tennessee. If you're going to the game, have fun. Enjoy yourself. Hopefully the Colts get a victory. The game is in Tennessee, so I said this last year. I'll say it again. If you're in Tennessee for the game, especially if you're an out-of-towner and you're going to Nashville, Bridge 32, they had the greatest chicken and waffles I've ever had in my life. You guys have to have them. Try it. It's right on the strip. Absolutely phenomenal. And hopefully it brings you luck and the Colts go out and win on Sunday. We'll be back Sunday night with the game recap right here on the For the Culture Podcast.